0: things organ athletics (laughs) i'm i'm experiencing life right now i'm not sure how much more can be said now i'm on the show and i don't know how long i'm going to be here it's time for your nightly dose of quack smack now let's head into the kwva sports studios for the show it's a Tuesday edition of Quack Smack. Nate Yuretsky joined alongside Liam Baker. We apologize for the late start. We had a little bit of te- technical difficulties, but we are here. We're ready to smack the quack. Is that is that the correct phrasing we should use? Uh,
1: I, I guess so. Quack I, the
0: smack. Whatever it is, we're here. We're we're
1: thriving. It's finals week. It's a two man show. We're existing. Liam, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I didn't have any. I don't don't have any in person finals. I got one know. online tomorrow. Um, but you know I'm doing great. It's not raining, which is really nice. The nice two days have been surprisingly not like the past two days have been surprisingly nice. It's, it's been, been warm, like sixty degrees, which is weird, weird for yeah. Eugene in December. But I'm never gonna complain about that.
0: No, like even just walking over here, I was wearing a sweatshirt and I was like, man, it's a, it's a little toasty. The weather's been good, you know it's perfect golfing weather, I'd probably say. We saw Jackson Powers Johnson as well as Casey Rogers face off against each other in the match earlier today on Twitter. and you know, I, I just kept on thinking to myself, man, this is good golfing weather. Leah, I know you're good. And you're big into disc golf. Did you disc golf today? I
1: did actually disc golf today. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't planning on it. Um, was gonna try to get some of my work done and one of my buddies texted me and the course is about a three minute drive away over at Alton Baker Park. And, uh, you know, I had to go out there and enjoy the nice weather before I head home for break.
0: There you go. There you go. So y- give me an update. You're on the disc golf team. Talk to me <laughs> about the disc golf team to this point in the season. This is one of the underrated club sports teams on campus. Nobody knows about them. This is your opportunity to <laughs> highlight the club disc golf team. Also,
1: yeah, I think underrated is definitely a great word to describe <laughs> it. I mean, it's honestly the sport is one that's pretty underrated that really i don't think many people know about um but we're in a a league with portland state and oregon state um portland state doesn't really have a team right now they lost all their guys from last year but yeah oregon oregon state huge team they got you know 15 20 guys out that they go to all of the matches and and how they work is uh everyone plays a singles round first round of the match and then the top four scores go on and play uh a doubles um, alternate shot doubles after that and uh Team with the best total score comes out with the win. We had a, a match, like on, on Saturday, over at Dexter Park in Lowell, hmm. which uh, was super fun. A little, little bit rainy, but just vibes are great. It's a fun time. Just you know, hang out with some you know people, meet some new people, and have fun throwing frisbees.
0: So, so what you're saying is the rivalry is going to continue at least in disc golf, Oregon, Oregon State.
1: Yeah, we're, we're not going to the Big Ted. do <laughs> uh, Don't worry. Right. Don't really think there's divisions with that. But yeah, the rivalry still there. They pretty much beat us every time, but
0: oh no! So you're saying they're the dominant one in the in the rivalry? I
1: I would say so. They're the dominant one. when you have 15 to 20 guys to pull from every single week, every match, it's a lot easier to put consistent scores up there and win. Versus us, we bring in like four or five guys out every time.
0: Oh wow! So there's a substantial difference.
1: Yeah, the Oregon State disc golf program is thriving.
0: Okay, but is the top guy from Oregon better than the top guy from Oregon State at least?
1: Uh it's it's pretty I think it's pretty neck and neck. I think the top guys from Oregon, Oregon State, and Portland State are all at any given time can be can be up there. Um and any
0: given Saturday?
1: <laughs> at any given Saturday, I think yes. Yep, yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> it's good to hear. I love catching up about the disco game. <laughs> What's been the highlight of the season?
1: Um so I've only been able to play in, in two of the four matches so far this this season. For um, me,
0: so, you, so you're the sixth one, fringe fifth. Well, player. <laughs> well, I, was,
1: you know, a lot of other responsibilities. Um, I think my highlight of this so far this season is last on Saturday. I got second place out Ooh. of everyone, which I was I was really happy about. Was one stroke behind the guy that won. Um, but I was really proud of that performance. My best place performance so far the past two years playing for the team. So I was really happy with that.
0: Nice, nice, nice. So when when is the season? Is is it coming to an end with the winter? It
1: it's fall through spring. Oh, so, um, so it's like basically yeah, we're all we're Star right Wars. in the middle. Yeah, but the, those those matches in, in January and February are really cold and rainy, and it's tough sometimes. Do, do but you
0: play through the elements?
1: It, on on Saturday from about noon to two p.m., it poured rain the entire time, <laughs> and we were all out there together, and no one could really grip a disc well, and people throwing bad shots but it was just really fun. And we were having a great time and just like uh, it wasn't about you know playing super well because we really weren't but just hanging out with you know some our guys and ha- having fun and that's that's a lot what it's about
0: it's, it's about having yeah. fun with oh the ab- absolutely yeah, getting better yeah. yeah
1: it's it's college sports like a cl- especially club sports pretty low-key it's just about you know having fun and I feel like I'm having a lot of fun doing it.
0: That's good. You know who else is having fun? Bo Nix. Oh. Heisman <laughs> Trophy finalist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he has he, had fun this season. Um, he's in Las Vegas right now. They're going to give out the Campbell Award tonight. I'm not sure if he's uh, won that award or if someone else has. Uh, well, Michael James, he's also in Las Vegas, uh, just got inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame. So really exciting stuff for those Oregon Ducks. But uh, the one thing I do want to say is, you know, Bo – the game happened. Oregon lost to Washington. But at the same time, he's still a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. There's a lot of good sights ahead for Bo Nix. But we'll well, he, get to he was
1: Pac-12 offensive player of the year. Yeah, like he, it's he was.
0: A- and, and and that's over Michael Penix who has beaten him twice, you know. He he's probably going to finish ahead of Penix as well. And I mean, if you just think about the season that he had, specifically the November, Bow November if you must. Uh, He had 28 total touchdowns in the month of November, which is just ridiculous numbers. Uh, He had a phenomenal end to the year, and I I think he was peaking at the right time. Even though they lost against Washington, he had a good performance. He had three total touchdowns, and, yes, he had that interception. And was that an interception the difference? Maybe, maybe. You know, Washington turns the ball over in the middle of that game, and, you know, he turns it right back. Oregon probably could have taken a little bit of momentum in that opportunity, but at the end of the day, that's football, and you can't hurt the quarterback too much. Uh, just his third interception in all season. I mean, he had 40 touchdowns through the air. The only other quarterback to have 40 touchdowns plus – with three interceptions or less in a season, was Justin Fields. Like, that's pretty good company right there. And Bo Nix had a good year. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I do want to talk a little bit about Oregon volleyball. I'll be heading out towards Madison tomorrow. Early flight for me, 5.39 a.m. if you're listening. Please listen to our broadcast this week. I am sacrificing my sleep to be in (laughs) Madison. Going to be a fun time. We're going to have pregame around 6.20, hopefully, on Thursday, depending on how late the first match goes. It's going to be Penn State versus Wisconsin. In the first match on Thursday, Wisconsin, the host team, of course, uh, with the matches being in Madison, very electric atmosphere. They told me that I'm going to be in the upper deck, uh, row one in the upper deck, surrounded by Wisconsin fans. So should be a rowdy atmosphere, Uh, but please tune in Thursday, Sweet 16 against Purdue, Ducks versus Boilermakers, a rematch of the 2021 Spring Sweet 16 where the Ducks fell to Purdue completely different purdue team a lot younger but a very good one at that but you know you know this past weekend oregon swept their way past southeastern louisiana past hawaii it was 3-0 sweeps both of those matches and it it felt like oregon just cruised by those two teams liam for you what really stood out when you examined those two matches for the ducks in the first and second round of the ncaa tournament
1: i mean the real thing is oregon did what they had to do and they did hold they did so handily and really without having to you know sweat at all two sweeps they really dominated the majority of those sets and i think the player that really stands out is morgan lewis who has turned into mrs postseason for the ducks (laughs) i think last year didn't really play a lot and then in the regional round hit 370 and 385 in in those two matches and you know this past weekend 308 against southeastern louisiana and then uh 667 against hawaii 14 kills no errors she needs to do that again this weekend
0: Yeah, and she was named to the All-Louisville team last year in the Super Regional, um, and she's just continued it. It felt like this season, she started out a little bit slow, and towards the end of the year, she became the top option for Oregon. Her numbers have just been consistently great. You know, she's been lethal, it feels like. She's hitting over three thirty on the season, which is really, really strong for an outside hitter, an opposite hitter at that, but... She's really turned it into an extra gear towards the end of the season. And like you said, miss postseason. I like that. She has definitely been really strong in the postseason. The one thing for me that really stood out was Oregon's defense. If you look at the two matches, Hawaii versus Southeastern Louisiana, Hawaii hit 061, which was their season low. Their second lowest, 113, also Oregon at the very beginning of the season all the way back in August. This is a Hawaii team that was top in the Big West in a lot of offensive categories Ultimately the Ducks shut down Hawaii Which was really impressive I think the other impressive thing about that Hawaii match Is if you look at Amber IGD, who was the top player for Hawaii, came in averaging just under four kills per set, hitting over 400 on the season. Well, she hit 091 and had four total kills, her season low. Her second lowest, seven kills, also against Oregon. And so Oregon was able to take away the best option for Hawaii in that match. And if you look at the match against Southeastern Louisiana, yeah, you can say what you want about Southeastern Louisiana, but this is a team that was 28 and four entering the tournament, had won 22 straight matches, and their last loss was all the way back September 15th. And Oregon went up against that tough southeastern Louisiana serving team and held them really, really well at the service line, only one ace. The defense was there again, held uh, southeastern Louisiana, the Lady Lions to an 0 hitting percentage. And they eliminated their top option as well. And so I-, I really liked the defense I saw from Oregon. There was a lot of positives. But, of course, Morgan Lewis offensively, she was great, 14 kills, against Hawaii which was just a big number to have and she hit 667 14 kills on 21 swings not a single air. really impressive stuff from Morgan Lewis Uh, but as the Ducks turn their sights now to the Wisconsin Regional they got Purdue coming up in the Sweet 16 and then potentially Penn State or Wisconsin that one I think could go either way I know Wisconsin is the home team uh, but towards the end of the season Wisconsin fell to not only Penn State but they also fell to Purdue so these are two teams in addition to wisconsin and oregon that are also very strong i think it's a very exciting regional you go either way i wouldn't be surprised if wisconsin fell but you know th- those fans are rowdy but as we turn our sights ahead do you think the ducks can get out of this regional
1: I, i'm i think definitely they've thrown shown throughout the the season that they have the capability of playing as one of the best teams in the country they've picked up big wins it's just they have to not beat themselves i mean it's Feels like for every Oregon sport, it's Oregon versus Oregon. And I think this is another another case of that is when Oregon is on their A game, they can beat anyone. But when they're not, they slip up and they, they lose games that they shouldn't lose.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, Oregon versus Oregon has been the theme this season with football, with volleyball. And I think that certainly is the case this upcoming week. Gabby Gonzalez, though, did bang up her ankle. And I think that's kind of an underrated. Uh, underlying story, maybe you could say, Uh, she's been so excellent in the serve-receive. And if you look at the last half of the season, I think the big thing for Oregon was, well, they had Gabby Gonzalez and Georgia Murphy going into a two-woman serve-receive. Initially, they had Mimi Collier in there, and it was a three-woman serve-receive. And ultimately, Oregon struggled on the serve-receive. They didn't have their best defense on the serve. And you know, Gabby Gonzalez really took on the grunt of it. And Maybe not having her 100% is definitely going to hurt the Oregon Ducks uh, moving forward. But I do think that she was able to play it off a little bit towards the end of the Hawaii match. was good, Uh, but she was definitely favoring it. That's something to look out for. Uh, Purdue, not the best serving team. In fact, they're last in the Big Ten in total service aces. And so maybe not that first match. You're not really... Looking at that being a struggle, they are a very good digging team, tops in the Big Ten in total digs. They're also a good killing team, top in the Big Ten in total kills. So Oregon's defense is going to have a lot on their hands. uh, Offensively, Purdue's going to be digging out some balls, and so Oregon's going to have to keep feeding the options and look towards targets like Mimi Collier and Morgan Lewis. Nonetheless, the Ducks will be heading off towards Madison. In fact, they're actually already there. They left yesterday, got a charter plane, and they're in Madison, and i will be taking off tomorrow. And we'll have the call on Thursday, Oregon versus Purdue, six thirty p.m. Pacific time. Hoping to have pregame at six twenty. Keep it locked here on KWVA Eugene eighty-eight point one. And when we come back, we'll talk football here on Quackspeak.
1: KWVA KWVA.
2: There are nearly twenty million refugees worldwide fleeing terror, war, violence, and political and religious persecution. Refugees admitted to permanently resettle in the U.S. have been passed through multiple levels of rigorous screening and security clearance. They want what we all want, peace, security, and freedom from fear. Refugees are survivors, families, and no different from us. It's time we welcome refugee families with open arms. Learn more at embracerefugees.org. The Skate Park Project, formerly the Tony Hawk Foundation, is a skateboarding organization that helps communities build public skate parks for youth in underserved communities. To date, nearly 600 recipients of the Skate Park Project grants have opened their skate parks. These parks receive more than 6 million annual visits by youth who benefit from the active lifestyle and camaraderie the facilities promote. Learn more about the Skate Park Project by visiting www.skatepark.org.
1: UNICEF works across 190
0: countries and territories to reach the children and young people who are most at risk and
1: most in need. As conflict escalates in Ukraine, UNICEF is on the ground providing safe water, emergency supplies and social services to children and their families. Learn more at unicef.org forward slash Ukraine forward slash en. Hey, this is Joey McMurray, broadcaster for the Oregon Sports Network and former KWVA sports director. But he's wearing Adidas pants. You can't do that. And you're listening to Quack Smack.
0: Bring it back here on Quack Smack, Ned Yerudski, joined alongside Liam Baker. Just a two man show today, but we're anchoring it down. We talk some Oregon volleyball. Now let's move on to talk Oregon football. And- Yeah, tough end of the season. Tough season overall, if you think about it. You know, Oregon, really talented team. They've had so many (laughs) blowout victories this season. I I think I could count on my hands the amount of times that Bo Nix played in the fourth quarter. It didn't feel like a lot of times this season. Uh, And ultimately, all that, 11 wins, two losses to Washington. And you do get a New Year's Six Bowl. It's a Fiesta Bowl, but you're facing off against Liberty. Not necessarily the opponent you want if you're Oregon. You think about this monumental season, Bo Nix up for the Heisman Trophy. You think it's going to end in maybe the college football playoff, and ultimately you get stuck with the group of five team, Liberty. Liam, what was your overall reaction when you heard Liberty versus Oregon in the
1: Fiesta Bowl? Um, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. The moment they lost to Washington, my, does, I didn't really care who they played. In the in that in that New York Six Bowl game really? because it just it was a, it's in a, it was't be a letdown no matter what I think even if they they drawn Georgia or, or really? Ohio State I think it would have been fun but whoa, I, whoa. I, think, I I think I think if they,
0: if they draw Georgia you got
1: to be fired uh, up I, for think, that. I think I uh, think but Ohio State Missouri, Penn State those games would have been fun, but there would have been a letdown no matter what because we had talking we'd been talking about this team making the Coltsville bowl playoff all season. So that I think there's just a natural letdown, and the fact that it was Liberty is even more of a letdown of, of like, really, we're going to play Liberty, like Conference USA. Like, they had a great season. Oregon should beat them by 30. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I remember the initial line came out, it was, like, 19 and a half. I think it's down it's to, like, like four- 16 right 16? now. 16, wow.
1: And I think if, like, that's factoring in Oregon – kind of wh- who knows what Oregon team are we going to get that's kind of the question
0: we'll, we'll see if any players decide to opt out I know one player is playing it's Bo Nix and you know you know that makes things a little bit more exciting you get to see Bo Nix on the field one last time as an Oregon Duck one of the most decorated players in Oregon history and who knows maybe he's playing with a Heisman Trophy on his shelf uh who, who knows the Heisman Trophy is going to be announced on Saturday Bo Nix there uh, getting ready. In fact, actually right now he's in Vegas. He's traveling to New York tomorrow, but still a lot of festivities ahead for Bo Nix and it's going to end in a fiesta, a fiesta bowl against Liberty. But I I share the same sentiment as you. I think that, you know, it's probably going to be a letdown no matter what. But I I think if I'm Oregon, I'm probably more fired up to face off against the Georgia, against the Penn State, against the Missouri. I, I think that means something. You know, Dan Lanning's from Kansas City, Missouri. You know, if they're playing Mizzou, that's a battle. You know, he likes to recruit those kids from Missouri, and I think that's a big recruiting battle that he could win if he beats an SEC team. If he beats a Georgia, then he gets revenge from last year's terrible loss against the Bulldogs. I think there's so many better games that Oregon could have played, and to be stuck with Liberty is unfortunate. You know, there was talks, maybe SMU, even SMU's a letdown. 13-0 Liberty, it doesn't feel like Oregon has a lot to game. Their best win this season, New Mexico State. Sure, Auburn couldn't get it done against the Aggies, but the fact that Liberty had to beat them twice and that's their best win is really saying something. Their schedule, 131st out of 133 teams in the country. That's their strength of schedule. This is a team that's undefeated and they really haven't played anybody. But I do want to highlight a little bit about Their quarterback, Caden Salter, he's really good. You know, his numbers back it up. He's a transfer from Tennessee, got into trouble in Knoxville a couple of times, and so ultimately lost his spot on the team, decided to go to a place like Liberty to try to go on that clean path down the line. And, you know, this season he's done a great job. He's thrown for 2,750 yards, 31 total touchdowns, uh, not too many interceptions, just five interceptions to those 31 touchdowns and then on the ground he's even more explosive he's rushed for another 1,000 yards Uh, he has a total of 12 touchdowns on the ground so a explosive quarterback for Liberty and I, I think that in itself is an exciting matchup to see if Oregon can shut him down
1: well and Liberty's a team rushes for 300 yards a game I think that's like a pretty you don't see a lot of teams doing that I think that is something that's exciting about them Unfortunately for Liberty and, and fortunately for the Ducks, the Ducks have the 11th ranked rush defense in the country, 97 and a half yards per game. And you saw what they did to Oregon State and what they've really done to every single team except for UW that they, they don't let teams run the ball. So Like that's another thing with this matchup. It makes it even more lopsided.
0: Yeah, anybody but Dylan Johnson has been pretty much. He he
1: had hundred yards twice this season. Both were against Oregon. It's like (laughs) it doesn't make sense. He had a good performance against USC as well. Maybe he just. Oh, okay. I guess yeah. Yeah,
0: but like literally, like he just dominated against Oregon. That seven was an unlucky seven for the Ducks this season, but. You know, I, I, I think that Oregon's defense definitely shapes up. It'll be interesting to see how much of the defense actually plays in this game against Liberty. But my overall feel around the team right now is that this is an Oregon team that's fired up to play one more game. You know, this is a team that's passionate about playing football. And I, I think Dan Lanning has rallied his guys saying, hey, you know, this is still a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, we can go to Arizona, celebrate. We can play some golf maybe. Uh, enjoy the prizes, festivities. You can win the game, most likely. Uh, if you're Oregon, you think you're just going to roll right through Liberty. I, I think that's just kind of the fair assessment. But can't get too ahead of yourself. It's a good Liberty team. Uh, Jamie Chidwell, very good coach. Uh, do you remember him before he got to Liberty? No. D- d- no incong-
1: inclination? Was, he, he was somewhere in the Pac-12, I imagine.
0: No. no. He was the co- coach for Coastal Carolina when was, they went on that What ride.
1: that in the COVID year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You remember I Mormons do. versus Mullets? That that was that was a great game they they scheduled it mid-season or something. Yeah,
0: at the very end of the year they like scheduled it at the very end. It was like 10 and 0 Coastal Carolina versus 9 and 1 BYU because their opponents both got COVID and so they were like, "You know what? We're just going to schedule this like last I'll minute." I'll say
1: that season as a whole not good. But that <laughs> that game in particular a lot of fun.
0: That was electric. It was, it was a really fun time, and he's had success, and that's his style. Is they love to run the ball. It's like run and shoot type of offense where it's very run heavy, and we saw Grayson McCall have a ton of success at Coastal Carolina uh, when Chadwell was the head coach, and, you know, he's taken liberty and made him a juggernaut. They've improved even more than Hugh Freeze, who's now the head coach at Auburn. Think about that. And so, you know, you know maybe, maybe the, Auburn should have hired – uh, Chadwell instead of Hugh Freeze, they could beat New Mexico State. He couldn't. <laughs>
1: hey, hey, give New Mexico State some some credit. Diego Pavia pa- or Pavia Pavia, is really good at football. Yeah, he, he's fun to watch.
0: Dude, he was a former wrestler. Really in, in high school. Yeah, did you not see that? There was like a time where he like threw an interception. I think it was against Auburn too. And he like straight up like ran to the guy that picked him off, grabbed him, and like surplexed him. Like
2: <laughs> it was That's like great. so
0: lit as like a five eleven quarterback. But I I agree, New Mexico State, you can give them a little props. Shout out Keontae Glinton. He was a wide receiver at my high school, and now he is a defensive back second team conference USA at New Mexico State. Not that you needed to no, know that. I, I, just, I just wanted to say that I, just because my New Mexico State. No. <laughs> I,
1: well, while we're out there shouting at people going to our high school, uh, Teddy Buchanan went to UC Davis, just transferred to Cal. Oh, so yeah. He went, he went to St. I? He went to St. Ignatius. Yeah, so congratulations to him. Ah. Moving to the ACC now. <laughs> moving
0: to the ACC. Yeah, and and, and you're the Colorado's tight end too. Yeah, you Mi- yeah,
1: Mikey Harrison. Mikey Harrison played really for the first time, and he's transferring as well. Oh, is he? Yeah, the things the things going on in Colorado right now are not good.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like things are going well in Boulder.
1: No, they got
0: they started that hype train, and now it seems like all the assistant coaches are leaving.
1: Everyone is leaving. Players too. I it's, yeah.
0: It's a, it's o-
1: Oregon did something to them in in, in <laughs> September that has really had a ripple effect on them.
0: It's like crazy thinking about this season. Just like as we break down the season and just look at the overall picture, how big was that Colorado Oregon game? Like that was like one of the
1: biggest games of the season at that point in the year. Well, if you if you look at games by viewership, that that game's. I mean, I think at this point, maybe before Conference championships, we can, like, a top five game in the country. Yeah. And that's crazy, especially the fact that everyone in Eugene knew we were going to win that game by 30. Yeah. And, like,
0: <laughs> the fact that Oregon fans were so confident going into that game, and everyone's like, alright, alright, like, let's see what Colorado has. Yes, they've beaten TCU. Yes, they've beaten Nebraska. If you look at the hindsight, Nebraska-TCU, not very good teams this season, but there was so much hype. First stripe out in Autzen history, a top ten crowd, like, electric atmosphere there was uh,
1: that game like as a fan that attended most of the games probably was the my favorite game of the year yeah i think like the best atmosphere i think the usc game was fun and so was the the osu game but i think just generally the vibes of that game and how much every single person in odson wanted to beat colorado because everything <laughs> they'd been saying was just great it was like Colorado Colorado Colorado
0: you know you know it kind of felt the same way that everybody was talking about Oregon going into the Pac-12 championship I'm not gonna lie
1: oh you're a hundred percent (laughs) right and I just it's it's true it's
0: painful to say but I'm gonna be honest like I felt a lot of similarities between Washington and how they were feeling going into that Pac-12 championship game the same way that Oregon was going into that Colorado game. Well, it felt like all the media attention was Oregon, Oregon this, Oregon's going to make the college football playoff. 79% chance they're going to make the playoff. They're going to be the three seed. Rank Oregon ahead of Washington. And Washington's like, we beat them. Like, we, 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 we had the victory.
1: You know? I, and I'll, I'll be fair, like, that that line being set at nine and a half, ten 10 points didn't make sense. And, yeah, Washington is struggling to a lot of teams, and they beat Oregon. But – Back to that seventy-nine percent of Oregon making the playoff, there was a lot of debate if it was Oregon, Alabama, and Texas who it was who going to get in. That didn't make sense. I think the hype around Oregon probably just peaked a little bit too much going into that game. And honestly, I I don't think and, it, and like I don't think it got half, yeah nine I and a
0: half point favorites. Like Washington would have had to be in disrespect.
1: Yeah, well, and like I think that that didn't get in the back of like Lanning's head, and he probably was focused. But I think the, a lot of those players i'm you know we're just speculating but when you're you hear oregon 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 for a, a week and honestly for two months after that that game in seattle when the media saying they should have won that game to the better team them coming out flat in the first quarter i guess isn't the most surprising thing and you think back and look at it in that way I, to be honest
0: i think it was very similar to that game in seattle you know oregon struggled in the first quarter against washington their first possession they went three and out and You know, I I think Washington did did a good job draining the clock. It just felt like that first drive for the Huskies took an eternity. And I think that you got to give props to Washington for coming out swinging. Oregon just fell a little flat in the first quarter, and sometimes that changes the game. And, you know, obviously that three and out after Washington took the lead at the end of the game was tough because then Washington goes on a six-minute drive and score a touchdown to put themselves ahead. But Oregon had a chance defensively. Washington, just the better team offensively. Uh, They took the lead in the
1: third quarter. Yeah, Oregon did. People kind of forget that, and I honestly forgot that, and you look back and you're like. Because they only
0: had one, or they had two drives in the fourth quarter. The one was the three and out, and then Washington goes down, retakes the lead, and then they drain the clock for the rest of the game. Oregon miraculously has that Trayshawn Holden touchdown, which somehow happened. Somehow he got into the end zone. And if that doesn't happen, Oregon doesn't have a chance. But Oregon almost pulled it off. They, it's just, it, you know, they fell short. Washington just came out strong at the very end of the game. And, it, and that's really how you win football games. You start strong. You finish strong. You're probably going to win a lot of the times. So.
1: Well, and I'll say, Oregon went three and out three times in that game. That's rare. I, I think, I've, I obviously don't have the number in front of me. But if you go and look back throughout the entire season, I think you could count on probably one or two, probably one hand. I'd say one hand. How many times they've gone three and out before this game? Three, three and out with with the starters in. Yeah, not many times. I like most games. Like they were, they, like three and out is it's crazy. In the, those first two drives of the games, three and out, three and out. N- no, not really getting anything going. It just was weird, and it was uh, like uncharacteristic.
0: Very uncharacteristic. I think you got to give props to UW's defense. I think they've been an underrated defense this year. Yes, they've given up some points to certain teams, but at the end of the day, like they've been a team that's been able to close games. They've been a team that's been able to score points when they need to score points. They just have that finishing touch. And Oregon just fell short a couple of times this year to a a really good UW team. And, you know, with that, they get Liberty. And, you know, one last question I do want to add just. You know, Oregon does play Liberty. We've talked about it being a disappointing matchup. Does it make it any more important now that Bo's playing? If he, if Bo's not playing and Ty's in there and you get to see Ty Thompson for the first time, maybe that's exciting. But the fact that Bo Nix is going to play, does that change the importance of this game to you?
1: I think it's not necessarily the – I think it, in a way, becomes less important because we know we're getting out of Bo Nix. Seeing Ty Thompson play would be a really big deal and giving him a full game with all the starters – to see if he really is the quarterback that's going to play for them next year. But I think with Bo Nix, a lot more people are going to care about this game. Because with the past two seasons have been two of the better seasons Oregon's had. Like recently. Um, and there's been a lot of hype around them. It would be a, a great way to go out getting this win in a year six bowl game for him. And there's going to be a lot of hype around it being his last game. And that's why he's playing. is He wants to go out and win. They want to erase the the bad taste of losing to Washington, and that's why he's playing.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that, like, if you're a senior, do you really want to go out losing to Washington in the Pac-12 championship like that? No, you want to go out beating the brakes off of Liberty, and hopefully the Ducks can do that. We'll see if they do. Nonetheless, Oregon versus Liberty. New Year's Day, January 1st, 2024, 10 a.m. Ryan Milano and Levi Bergthal is going to have the call for that on KWVA Eugene 88.1. And with that, we'll step aside for another break. And when we come back, we'll talk some more college football nationally. We'll give you our final Pac-12 power rankings and talk a little transfer portal here on 88.1. KWVA.
1: KWVA. KWVA.
0: More American Indians live in poverty than any other racial or ethnic group. Since 1989, the American Indian College Fund has helped thousands of young men and women begin a path out of poverty as students at tribal colleges. As more American Indians see a college education as a way out of poverty, full-time college enrollment continues to rise, along with the continued need for support. Help a student, help a tribe. Learn more at tribalcollege.org. A public service message from the American Indian College Fund. In the streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
1: This is former assistant sports director, Adam Sussman. If your dial reads 88 one, you're in the right place. Let's get back to quacks,
0: Always electric hearing that coming back to quacks Mac. Nat Yerotsky joined alongside Lee- Liam Baker. Thank you, thank you for playing that.
1: You know, that's my you, favorite it, one it, every it, time.
0: Dude, it, it, it's my favorite one. It's uh, "Silver Scrapes," great song. Reminds me of college game day. I was telling Liam this earlier this week. That was my alarm clock, clock going up. Like I would like sleep in till like seven thirty, eight o'clock. Growing up, my dad would come in <clears throat> with his phone and just play that song, and that was how I woke up every morning. Even to this day, on Saturdays, uh, I will wake up. And I'll start my day playing that song because it's just so wonderful. It just fires you up. It makes you think college football. And that's why we're here. Talk some Morgan volleyball. Talk some Morgan football. I wanted to wrap things up. You know, every single Tuesday this term, we've done the Pac-12 power rankings. It's shifted throughout the year. And finally, we're at the end of the season. Not necessarily the end of the year because there's still bowl games. But end of the regular season, this is kind of where – each team played their most complete season because we don't know who's going to play in the bowl games. For instance, Caleb Williams not going to play at USC in their holiday bowl game. It's going to be Miller-Moss season. Or Malachi Nelson, probably Miller-Moss at USC. But nonetheless, we got our final rankings. Liam, you want to just start with your 12 through 9 and explain?
1: Uh, Yeah, 12 Colorado. Yeah, I also, they're ha- just, I also have they're the Buffaloes. so. they They're not good. Like, the Dion experiment isn't really working. Like... I I think the hype was there, and when they weren't winning, like people just stopped believing in him. And I think it's do you believe? <laughs> it, it's hard to have that that mentality and that that mindset that he has, of like how he just you know tries to inspire locker room. It doesn't work when you're getting blown out every week, and when you blow a thirty point lead to Stanford at home, like I'm just leave it there. Eleven ASU. Uh, I think they could be decent next year. Just way too many injuries, and the end of the year was really, really bad for them. It felt like the Utah game, the Oregon game, and the Arizona game were just ugly.
0: Yeah, but the UCLA game was great.
1: (laughs) Or not the UCLA, the Utah game. Uh,
0: Yeah, that game was poor. Yeah, that's
1: Utah, Oregon, or Arizona. That's what I meant. Yeah, those three,
0: bad. But sandwiched between Utah (laughs) and Oregon was a somehow victory on the road against (laughs) UCLA.
1: Yeah. Um, Ten, I have Stanford. Um, I just, I feel like Stanford. Just, I don't know how they ever recover. Like Jeff Trailer. I think they're gonna be all right. I think it's just going to the ACC and like traveling and is this? I can see
0: them being a top five ACC team.
1: The bar is pretty low for that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm
0: saying is that Stanford has the recruiting ability in California and the West Coast that if for some reason those west coast kids want to play in the atlantic coast conference yeah all, all power fair enough
1: one. and then number 9 i have i've have washington state i think i i debated putting them a little bit higher i just think there was too many performances throughout the season that were really just bad and head scratching and and tough they had some really great ones they could have beaten washington um it's probably a game they feel like they should have won honestly if they get the stop on fourth down and they kick a field goal and they win that game. But they had a really up and down season. They beat uh, Wisconsin earlier in the year, which is a yeah. really don't know how they did that. But you know they they
0: beat Wisconsin on the road last year, beat Wisconsin at home this year. Like
1: the Cougs, they beat Oregon State. That I, people forget about the, the <laughs> first four games that season. You could argue that they were a Pac-12 contender, and yeah, the, la, yeah, and the rest Cam, of that Cam, season Cam they Ward won. Ward
0: was a Heisman Trophy contender after that game,
1: and they won one more game the rest of the year. So, <laughs> but that that's my nine nine through twelve.
0: Yeah, you know, Washington State, tough year. Like, I, I, I can't put my finger on it. You know, they lost at home to Stanford. They, like, scored seven points in that game. How does that happen? And, you know, you know I, I can't put my finger on it either. They then blow out Colorado at the end of the year, played Washington really close. I mean, anything can happen in the Apple Cup. But to me, I also have Oregon, or Washington State at nine. I have Arizona State at ten ahead of Stanford and Colorado. I just think that if Arizona State played Stanford – They probably would have won. I have faith in Kenny Dillingham. Yes, the end of the season was rough. I I think that they managed the game against Oregon poorly. Like, why did you not put out uh, Borgay out there? Like, it just felt like they were like, hey, Cam Scadaboo, like, you could be (laughs) our QB. And I was like, what are you doing? You're having him check 40-yard bombs down the field for nobody.
1: They they did some crazy stuff that game, and I enjoyed all of it. It
0: was, like, wild. Jalen Converse, he was like – he should have been utilized way more. I mean, when you have a 6'4", 240-pound tight end that can run up the middle or throw darts, like I, I think you probably should have utilized him a little bit more. I just think it was mismanagement. Uh, injuries definitely hurt them. A lot of their best players are transferring this year. I still like what Kennedy Dillingham's doing. They're going to activate the Valley eventually, and I think they're going to find more success in the Big 12. Uh, but right now I have them at 10. Stanford at 11. Improved drastically towards the end of the year. I, I really liked Stanford towards the end of the year, uh, but losing to Cal, not a, always a good thing, especially when the other team rushes your field. <laughs> not really a good thing.
1: That was, yeah. <laughs> Pac-12 rivalries are weird. Like Yeah. Maybe some when Washington State rushed uh, the field at, uh, at UW. I, that was crazy. I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they hadn't won an Apple Cup in
1: forever. But how do you let that happen? Like, imagine, like, Beavers fans rushing the field at Autzen like no one would ever let that no, happen
0: there's not enough Beaver fans at Otson Stadium <laughs> uh it, I don't
1: think I don't know how many Washington State maybe that year there was but there like, was a
0: lot of Wazoo fans there because Jimmy Lake was on his way out the yeah, Washington they, they fans were pretty they were down bad that themselves. season it
1: didn't matter but like that's just I feel
0: like unacceptable as well uh Shout-out Cal fans. All right, and then I have Colorado 12. Dumpster fire of a year after the first four weeks of the season. First three weeks of the season. Uh, they they beat Arizona State after Oregon, and that was their last win, and that was like that, that was October. <laughs> yeah. Last-minute field goal against ASU. Uh, iconic moment that preceded
1: unfortunate events.
0: Uh, give me your eight through four. This
1: is a – Eight through five. Uh, this is a weird one. I – like I don't feel great about I have Cal at eight. Yeah, I do too. Like they 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 did some weird stuff this year too. And I like Justin Wilcox, how much longer is he really gonna be there? Who knows?
0: Well, I mean who are they gonna get? Like to be honest, Cal doesn't care about
1: athletics. No, they don't. Um like they they had some again, a very up and down season. I have USC at seven. The like second half of that season was the worst they've ever been in a really long time. And I think they'll be okay in the Big Ten, but I think they're in a for a reality check because, like, o- Oregon and Washington are set up great to go to the Big Ten. And UCLA is, and UC- USC, I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah, Uh Especially playing in the cold. I think Oregon and UW can do that, but those Southern California boys are not ready for that. I mean, there's a lot of Southern California boys on Oregon's team, but... To yeah, honest. but they play in Eugene Worlds. They're already used to that. Yeah. I, I yes. Um at six I've UCLA. Um, like they had some good wins. They also lost to ASU and did some really weird stuff. Yeah. That just kind of quarterback revolving door like didn't really help them. Nope. Um uh, and then at five I've Utah, who should be ranked, but when you have to play Arizona Oregon and UW like you're just you're gonna lose all three of those games
0: yeah I, I fully agree I actually have the exact same eight through five as you USC at seven with Cal at eight Cal I think it improved a lot offensively their offense coordinator actually just left tough loss for the Golden Bears uh, because their offense was really good this year defense not so much uh, USC poor end of the year that UCLA game was brutal they were
1: checked out they were
0: checked out they lost. Once they lost to Oregon, that was it. Like, their season was over. Uh, poor season done by Lincoln Riley. Honestly, a disappointing year if you consider how they were really in the discussion for the college football playoff. And to finish 7-5, and five, not really the start you won. Not really the ending. Uh, tough. Almost lost to Cal, too. 59-49. Like, that was crazy. Well, the, well no. It was, no, it was 50-49. 50-49. Yeah, they, it
1: was a two-point conversion that Cal went for. Jed fish should have done that he would have been in the Pac-12 championship if he w- converted that but yeah
0: that would have been crazy right? you know what
1: thanks for not doing that and usc i'm glad you actually won that game because Dude. at that moment i was not rooting for them
0: yeah i was also rooting for arizona arizona what a year for jed fish's
1: squad
0: really good season
1: all i'm mind. saying is in october <laughs> i was on this show and i was saying how they were really good and i no one believed me. And then you started I, believing I, me. I, I, and I,
0: I didn't believe you. And then, like, I forget what happened, but they, like, won a game. They beat Oregon see,
1: State. That's what
0: it but No. Maybe no it was one, something before that. It was the week before that, right? No,
1: that was Halloween. I think it was probably around them. Around, yeah, it was Halloween. Yeah. Was or, it? Yeah. I, I,
0: I thought they had a better game before Oregon State. Oh, no, no, no. It was Oregon State. They beat Oregon State. Even going into that Oregon State game, I was like, all right, Arizona could beat Oregon State. And it was and a then packed after dark and game. And then I was like, oh, they're going to beat UCLA. And then they did. <laughs> Back-to-back weeks, really electric matches for Arizona. Do you have Arizona ahead of Oregon? Give me your top
1: four. No, I don't have Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> I have I've, I've Oregon State at four. Yeah. Um. Again, they're another team that next year's gonna be rough for them. Oh, I, I think like they, Childs transferred too. Yeah, like they've don't their top two quarterbacks are gone. Like they're running. They back just they lost. Just had I
0: unfortunate mean, events in Corvallis. Yeah,
1: they just lost well, one of their was it one of their top safeties or yeah they lost like they lost a tight end that they lost jo- their head coach. The Jonathan Smith situation is like I don't I'm I'm not a fan of Oregon State. I felt really bad for them. Like it was Rural. worse than the crystal ball situation, like even the Willie Taggart situation.
0: Yeah. Well, he he took the entire staff with him, like not the entire staff, but like half the staff with him. But
1: it felt like he knew he knew before the, the organ game. Yeah, or, when, he, did, when didn't he didn't he tell them the the players or he told They like knew indirectly
0: going yeah. into that game. But also like, you know you know, he was like you know, I told these players we had to buy in for this like four months or whatever, and he gets to his first Michigan state press conference and he gets up there and he's like, yeah, you know in my head I've been thinking about this for a long time it's been in my head and like what and like, what I don't
1: that's one foot in the door one wh- foot out the door what what I don't get about like him is i, I get with the pacto of this banding in Oregon State not really the like being a mountain west type like half in that conference, that is not a good program, and also you went to school there. Yeah, like that's what it was like when Cristobal left. Like it made sense to, for like why he's going to Miami, like like there's his like family situation too. Like with Jonathan Smith, like went to Oregon State, like had what like led them to eleven win season, like and then just like nah, like I'm good, like I'm just gonna like dip and go to Michigan State to a program that is so much worse.
0: Well, I mean, it depends on where you look at it. I mean, if right now Michigan State might be the better program because they're playing in the Big Ten and Oregon State isn't. I think, he, yeah. He, his thing was, you know, I wanted to go somewhere. And, you know, I, I think if you think about him as a coach, Michigan State kind of aligns with his values, you know, like this tough blue-collar mentality, maybe the little brother in the state, you know, like that that, that type of vibe, like it, it, it's, like it's, it's going to be a physical – uphill battle to try to win at this place but you can find success at Michigan State if you work hard enough Mark D'Antonio showed that you know Michigan State made a college football playoff more recently than Oregon has so you you know there is a lot going for Michigan State maybe not in the last couple of years especially with what happened with Mel Tucker but you can win at Michigan State and I think that If you think about Jonathan Smith as a head coach, he definitely fits their vibe. Like, I I think that's a slam dunk hire for Michigan State. My thing that I think is weird is just abandoning your alma mater. Uh, I don't know if you saw this today, but somebody on Twitter posted that they were at Goodwill in Corvallis and found a team issue jacket to Jonathan Smith, which is just wild. Like, to me, I don't know. Like, sure, you're going to Michigan State, but why give up the gear? Like, you went to Oregon State. Like, does your allegiance now just reside in East Lansing? To me, that just seems
1: weird. Well, it's it'd be different if he went to a, a Pac-12 team or a team that he was going to play again. But it's, yeah, I it's just the entire situation is really weird. And, like, I kind of just feel bad for Oregon State with the head coach situation. The conference thing, less so. But, like, they just kind of got the short end of the stick in every single way this season. and. Yeah. Like.
0: I mean, I, I I like Trent Bray.
1: I think he's going to do good things. Like, he's more of that
0: hometown guy. And, you know, he he's taking shots at Jonathan Smith, too. But
1: As he should. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and Beavers fans across like, social media are kind of doing the same thing. And, like, they don't. They, they're they not. Like, half of them don't even view Jonathan Smith as, like, an alumni anymore based on kind of what he did, which I yeah. think is crazy.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, to me – I think it's interesting that he goes to Michigan State and not a place like UCLA. Like, I really thought that, you know, Chip Kelly's staying, but I thought when that report came out that UCLA was not going to retain Chip Kelly, I was like, Jonathan Smith seems like the right fit from Pasadena, from Southern California. UCLA kind of fits his vibe, but Michigan State? Have fun in East Lansing. And it seems like he is, but Uh, odd way to end. He burnt the bridge in Corvallis. Like, he, he, he... He's not welcome back, and it's kind of just unfortunate to see how things have unfolded. It's unfortunate that Beaver fans are missing out on Aiden Childs, who's going to be a superstar in the collegiate level, and uh, you know <laughs> they had so much going for them in Corvallis, and then the dismiss of the Pac-12 really just ended things. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough end. Uh, I also have Washington and Oregon one and two.
1: Yeah, so I think. There. And I, honestly, when I look at when I was I was doing this earlier, there's a top three. And there's, like, an everyone else. Yeah. And maybe there's a top three, a middle seven, and, like, a bottom two. Like, there's a very – there's clear, like, tiers in this. And I think if Arizona State started Fafita at the beginning of the season – Or Arizona, they would have been in the Pac-12 championship.
0: Yeah, I think they probably win against Mississippi State.
1: Pro- and they're – they're playing Louisville? No, they're – are they playing – who are they playing in their bowl?
0: Who are they playing? They're playing Oklahoma.
1: That'll be a Oklahoma fun in the Alamo Bowl. Fun time. <laughs> That'll no be Don a...
0: Gabriel though. Actually, nope. gets to my point. There's been reports yeah. that Don Gabriel uh, is planning a visit coming to Oregon. Entered the transfer portal. It's going to be the Jackson Arnold show in Norman, Oklahoma. But I, you know, you know, I wanted to ask you what you thought of the transfer portal for a one-year quarterback. We found out this year. Think about the quarterbacks that are in the college football playoff. You think about a guy like a Michael Penix. You know, Bo Nix was up for consideration. Those guys balled out for two years and had more success in year two than year one. Do you find that it is valuable to bring in a guy for just one season? It doesn't always work. You know, like it took two years for Joe Burrow to become the greatest college football player in the past 20 years. Is there value in adding a guy just for one season? I think it depends
1: on the guy. If you look at someone like Jalen Hurts, who, real, like the Bama thing, got benched, came like that, went to Oklahoma, had a like was pretty good. I think yeah, just great because great numbers, great season. Just because he was a really good football player, and the, what he's doing with the Eagles now is insane. So I think it really depends on on who it is, and you have to pick the right person. Cam Ward, I think, could be successful in in, in a one year situation, just given that. He has a lot of experience. I think Dylan Gabriel is another guy that that would as well that uh, could succeed at Oregon, especially that Oregon has a they have a win now roster. Um, I don't know if you you can really say that in college, with, given how quickly things change, but they're bringing a lot of guys back. Um, yeah, you know we don't know with Bucky what he's gonna do, but or Troy. Yeah, but I Troy's I don't think he's – and there's no way he stays. We'll see. I But I think a lot of the offense is coming back, and they have a lot of really young guys that are going to be really good. That bringing in a guy like Gabriel, if if landing in the staff, see him as a good fit, I think it's a good move. Reaching for someone else besides those two, I'm a little, like, maybe not. Yeah. I think Because I think Ty, like if they bring in Dylan Gabriel, Ty Thompson's gone. If they bring in Cam Ward, Ty Thompson's gone. And it's like... Yeah, Ty Thompson has been very up and down, and he's shown good signs this evening. That this... one
0: throw against Arizona State was phenomenal.
1: Oh, like, Ooh. I think, like, the against Cal, he looked pretty good, too. So, it's like, it, that's where you have to, you you pick and choose, and I don't know what Oregon's going to do. I kind of, it's one of those, I like, trust Landing. Like, he's, recruiting-wise, the past two years, he's done great. Hasn't won, hasn't beaten UW yet, that's a whole nother conversation, but... Off the field he's fantastic. Whatever he decides to do, I think I'm on board for that. I right now, if you told me tomorrow that Dylan Gabriel was gonna start for them week one, I'd be ecstatic and I'd think that they would I mean, they'd make the playoff next year to twelve team playoff, but I'd be I think Oregon could host a playoff game next year if Dylan Gabriel was their quarterback.
0: I I think so too. Who do you prefer? Do you prefer a West Coast guy like a Cam Ward that has spent two years in Pullman and has put up really good numbers, uh, some inconsistencies, but also some really good moments, or do you prefer a guy like Dylan Gabriel, a little bit more undersized, but had a high completion percentage this year around sixty-nine percent, and you know has thrown for a lot of yards and has a lot of experience, not only at Oklahoma but also at UCF?
1: I think I th- I've, probably Dylan Gabriel, just given he has that big game experience. Played in the Red River Rivalry a few times, somehow beat Texas. Yeah. This year, what what uh, about a drive!
0: You know, like yeah. he has that. It. Factor well, I, I
1: think, him. and you know, I trust him going into the Big House next year when they're going to play Wisconsin and Ohio State comes here. Like he's built for that moment. And has played those big games, and you mentioned the completion percentage. I mean, that's what the type of offense Oregon runs is, like. Dylan Gabriel can throw checkdowns all he wants and throw <laughs> throw five-yard outs and 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 balls over the middle. Like, it's what exa- Bo, Bo Nix did, and Bo Nix is is going to be a Heisman finalist. I think Cam Ward has a high level of kind of explosive playability, but there's a lot of just question marks, especially with this year, with how Wazoo, like, just fell off. Like, they fell off a cliff. Yeah. And while Oregon's a much better program, I think Dylan Gabriel's a, I don't think I don't. I also don't think Cam Ward's going to Oregon. No. Like that's all I gotta say. I don't. I don't think that's happening.
0: Yeah. Where Where do you think he ends up? Do you think he, there's been talk that he goes to Ohio State? Do you think that is like that'd huh? be
1: crazy? I mean, they they do need a quarterback. I do.
0: Kyle McCord entered the transfer portal.
1: <laughs> I don't know where he he gives me like Big Twelve ACC like I feel like he could fit in somewhere there. Like Kansas, I don't know what their quarterback situation is.
0: <laughs> there, there's been a lot bigger names than Kansas that have been in the talks of that. Oh about yeah, but I think that or. that'd
1: be a fun place for him to be.
0: Oh yeah, but Jalen Daniels is coming back. Kansas wouldn't want it. K State maybe that'd be a cool place. Where where have
1: you? What names have you heard for him?
0: I've heard Ohio State. I've heard a program uh, like Oklahoma maybe. Just for some reason, Oklahoma State. I've heard a Texas Tech. You know uh, they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback too. Who knows? It'll be fun to see where Cam Ward ends up. I'm excited to see if Oregon gets a transfer portal quarterback, or if not, it's Ty time. And who knows what Ty Thompson's actually going to be like. We haven't seen him in full action. Fun two-man show today. Knight Yuretsky, Liam Baker, talking some Oregon volleyball as they head off to the Sweet 16. Again, I'll be on the call for that Thursday against Purdue, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Talk some football and rack things up with college football in our Pac-12 Power Rankings. We'll be back at it tomorrow. See you then. It's been a fun quack smack.